1: It's not all bad news when it comes to crime in Chicago, but there's still so much to improve. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and from WBEZ Chicago, this is Reset. A Sun-Times report reveals that murders fell by 13 percent in 2022, but 723 people were killed last year, a higher grand total than any other American city. Not good. Not good at all. Meanwhile, overall, crime was actually up 12 percent. So what does this mean for safety in Chicago as we start the new year? We tap the brains of Sun-Times reporters Tom Shuba and Andy Grimm to find out. Tom, what were your biggest takeaways from last year when it comes to Chicago crime?
2: Well, you know, when we write these end-of-year stories, typically they they really just focus on uh, shootings and homicides in Chicago. Um, And the picture was a little more complicated this year because— after these huge spikes during the pandemic in in those key kind of violent crime categories, they both dropped significantly. And so, uh, but there was still all of this uh, consternation and concern over crime and what's being done about it. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we saw a decrease in the number of carjackings, but those are still near a record level. Um, Motor vehicle thefts are up hugely. Um, So, yeah, I guess the biggest takeaway is kind of like, those, those key markers of violent crime are down, but we're still seeing this increase in crime
1: that's unnerving people. Andy, how did we compare to other major cities in the country?
0: We you know, we actually did fairly well compared to many big cities. Uh, well, you know, crime went up significantly. Homicides, shootings were up across the board over the last two years. And the decline for Chicago, you know, numerically and percentage-wise is actually pretty good. Um You know, Tom and I were interested in seeing, you know, if uh, some of the criminologists that we spoke with would attribute the decline, which was uh, this year we saw, uh, Tom, where did it end up? At about 14 percent?
2: Yeah, 13 percent, a little bit higher than that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, this is better than a lot of our big city peers, um, you know, that had seen these massive increases. And in talking to some of the criminologists, we were concerned, you know, is this just a regression to the mean? Are we just... Coming down from an extremely elevated level, um, you know, is this just a factor of sort of these macroeconomic phenomena that are happening across the country where, you know, the economy is improving, people are going back to work? And, you know, speaking to a guy that tracks these numbers across departments um uh, guys, uh, Jeff Asher from DataLytics, mm-hmm. uh, he he said that this is a this is a significant decline, um, you know, year to year. It's better than a lot of places did, and, and those macroeconomic forces were at work pretty much everywhere. So said something happened in Chicago that was uh, different. Uh, whether that was something that is in the control of the authorities uh, or the uh, the organizations in the community that are working to fight violence,
2: uh, well, that remains to be seen.
1: Yeah, within Chicago, Tom. What did you observe about where the crime is happening?
2: Um, well, so the mayor had uh, kind of set aside uh, 15 specific community areas when she uh, launched this plan called Our City, Our Safety uh, much earlier in her tenure. And the idea was like to go and take those 15 community areas clustered on the south and west sides where violence has historically, uh, you know, been at the highest rates and and just put all sorts of resources in there. Uh, And so what we saw was a decrease in 14 of those 15 community areas really drove the overall drops in shootings and homicides. Mm -hmm. And um, so, you know, I think that's obviously encouraging for the mayor in, uh, you know, facing reelection that, you know, there seems to be this kind of corollary drop between uh, what they were doing and what wound up happening on the other end with violence, but, um, it was really, we, we asked a lot of kind of the smartest people in the room, you know, what do you think was, you know, created this drop yeah. after, after these increases, and, you know, people, it was a lot of maybes and some throwing up of the hands and a lot of people saying, you know, we can't really, uh, measure this at this point. Um, but yeah, we. We saw improvements in in most of these areas that are known to have the worst violence.
1: And you mentioned there the, the mayor's our city our safety uh, initiative. Who else in the Chicago city government is working on crime reduction?
2: Yeah, okay. So it's it's kind of uh, there's a a center where they run all of these operations out of where they try to. Uh, kind of call together all of the operations and all of the different agencies that are involved so like along with kind of labeling gun violence as a public health crisis the Chicago Department of Public Health is really involved in this process okay and uh, uh, Department of Family and Support Services is involved and so uh, having this huge wide net cast by multiple agencies is kind of you know what they say is kind of this whole of government approach, and what they want to do. Mm-hmm. It also makes it very difficult to track how exactly money is being spent, who it's going out from, yeah. whether it's been just allocated or if, if it's been spent. And um, that's something that uh, Lawrence Mccall of uh, the Civic Federation basically told us that, like, an expert of kind of going through city budgets, saying this is really tough for us to make sense of and to mm-hmm. see you know, if, if if something went somewhere and if there's been an impact.
1: Andy, uh, you also spoke with uh, sociologist Patrick Sharkey. He also falls in line with what you both have been mentioning. He says he has no idea why things got better this past year. So right now it sounds like even the experts are having a hard time just trying to determine exactly why stats of, of Risen or fallen, but uh, in your report you do focus on police beats and you look closer at those trends throughout the year. There's a there's a great map online at SunTimes.com. But for people listening, Andy, can you just describe what you observe through the different beats across the city?
0: Well, this was actually some of uh, Tom's excellent reporting here. But the uh, police began a policy of uh, what they call beat integrity, wherein and targeted beats in these high crime areas. Um, beats are little sectors of the city that are roughly, you know, ten by ten, eight by ten blocks. Some slightly larger. There's uh, several hundred of them across the city. And in these targeted areas, that were the areas with the highest violence, uh, you know, over a period of years, they essentially staked out a police officer, a, a patrol vehicle that was on that beat, and. If those officers wanted to leave the beat for some other call, for a lunch break, whatever, mm-hmm. they couldn't leave until they had phoned in and, and relief had come. So they were basically police stationed in these, you know, small areas of the city that are very known for their high crime rates. Um, and the, many of these beats saw significant declines in crime. Now, talking to Patrick Sharkey, he'll tell you that's not unusual, and that the presence, mere presence of police, does. Uh, have an effect on reducing crime, because people tend not to commit crimes in view of the police. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, So what Sharky would also tell you, though, is that it's what those officers are doing when they are on those beats and interacting with folks in the community that decides whether or not when that car pulls away, if the crime reductions will uh, remain. Um, it's not entirely clear what uh, police officers were doing in the districts where the majority of these beats were. Uh, there were not significant increases in arrests uh, or, uh, or uh, uh, what they call you know, uh, other forms of police activity, right. what they call an investigative stop, uh, which is sort of the, the, uh, the street search uh, of uh, individuals walking down the street that was the underpinning of the uh, much maligned mm-hmm. stop and frisk policy.
1: And Tom, as we talk about the the relationship between these beat cops and the communities how how do we improve them? they've been so strained over the years
2: well there's a lot of emphasis in the you know federal consent decree, this court order that's mandating uh, sweeping reforms to the police department that uh, they entered into after the laquan Mcdonald killing um, you know so a, a lot of where they're at right now in this phase is has to do with training and um The police department at the start of last year, uh, the superintendent came out and he said, you know, made this declaration that the city was going to conduct what he described as 1.5 million positive community interactions. And um, basically that was just uh, a system where, you know, if you're walking down the street and there's a police officer and the police officer greeted you or, uh, you know, introduced himself to you, it was very ill-defined what it was. And eventually, they came under a real fire um, for you know the reporting yeah. issues, the data issues, everything around that. And and it, basically, the question that was raised by the uh, independent monitor and by the attorney general's office was like, well, what does this even say what, what is, about what you're doing in the community? And um, that's an important question, right? Because in these communities, these 55 beats or these uh, 15 community areas where many of these beats are found, yeah, there's Poor relationships with the police that go back decades because of policing tactics Absolutely. and overly aggressive policing tactics, and so um, there are efforts to improve those things. And the superintendent told us, "Well, you know, we're we're trying to do this kind of problem solving uh, method of policing in these areas." We didn't find evidence specifically to say that. We we did find evidence that there are less stops and mm-hmm. less arrests, which could be evidence that there is less kind of problematic, aggressive type of policing. Um, it, it could also mean that the police are pulling back and just aren't engaging as much.
1: That's true, too. So on the flip side, Andy, communities like North Lawndale on the west side, and uh, uh, there, there's so-called success stories from this past year. How so? What what worked for them?
0: Well, uh, part of the mayor's uh, whole-government of approach and some of the, uh, uh, the the spending around the various federal Covid relief funds has been focused on non-policing responses to this massive uh, Covid-era spike in crime, and the you know the most visible portion of that this is, this comprises a lot of buckets where they're offering services to victims of crimes, uh, where they are you know investing in after-school and summer jobs programs. But one of the more visible features, and one of the parts that's getting very closely studied, is um, outreach, which is just simply organizations that target people that are at the greatest risk of being shot or shooting someone being involved in a shooting in some way across the city there's a the city estimates that there are you know various researchers estimate there are between 12 and 20,000 people who are in this sort of upper you know zero 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 percent percentile likelihood of getting shot people that are 45, 70, 150 times more likely to shop shot than the average Chicagoan. Mm-hmm. Predominantly, they are African-American men. Uh, you know, they're relatively young, living in these high-crime neighborhoods. And so, you know, in some cases, they actually have an algorithm that generates a uh, data based on arrest patterns or, you know, in, you know, the interaction of their outreach workers who are largely, you know, formerly gang-involved individuals that uh, they, they pay to basically go around and, you know, talk to folks. A lot of folks probably remember the interrupters, which was a phenomenon of the, uh, the early 2000s into yeah. like the 2012 um, made popular in the interrupters documentary. This is basically an extension of that work, but in recent iterations, they have paired this with when they are recruiting these guys, they're not discreetly trying to interrupt a, uh, an ongoing beef where people are shooting at each other. Yeah, They're actually trying to enroll these folks into a program that can last up to 18 months, wherein they're being paid, you know, 15 bucks an hour to go in and take uh, cognitive behavioral therapy classes for 90 minutes a day, Mm. get job and educational training that's going to allow them to exit uh, criminal life and basically give them the sense that they have a future outside of uh, sort of the violent world that they have come to know. Um, Now, several of these organizations are pretty high profile. The Chicago Cred, which is uh, founded by former uh, Chicago Public Schools CEO and Sec- United States Secretary of Education Arnie Duncan. Mm-hmm. Um, there is also um, Ready Chicago, which is paired with the University of Chicago Crime Labs. These are two organizations that take no city funding but do similar work. So the city gotcha. has now created this network of organizations that target each of these neighborhoods. And in Lawndale, they had Chicago Cred, Ready Chicago, Can, the North Lawndale Employment Network, and one other organization's name escapes me, uh, but they had about five organizations that were trying to reach out to the the, the, the largest percentage, uh, the largest fraction of these high-risk individuals that they could. Yeah. And the theory was that they would get something along the lines of a proof of concept that if you can reach enough people, that you can you can you can stanch the violence. And so. Their estimate is that they got to roughly 600 people in the neighborhood of about 35,000, where there were an estimated 1,200 people who were heavily involved. So they were reaching, they thought, about half. And and Lawndale saw one of the largest declines in violence of of, of the neighborhoods that have significant amounts of violence. They had about a 42 percent decline in homicides and shootings.
1: Wow. Well, you know, what's nice is that, you know, we've got public safety apps to available now like Citizen and Nextdoor. Also, community Facebook groups. I know they're growing in popularity. I've seen a bunch, you know, just ways to keep folks informed about what's going on in general in in their area. Uh, Before we go, Tom, I know this weekend was a doozy for the city. We mentioned earlier 28 people were shot, seven killed. Uh, There was a press conference on Friday. CPD said that additional police were being deployed across the city for uh, that New Year's weekend. Have we heard yet from the police department or or the mayor about the shootings that did take place?
2: Not to my knowledge. And, you know, what kind of stuck out to me in covering that press conference was uh, there was 1,300 additional officers were, you know, being sent out. That was people, uh, you know, having their days off canceled. That was people... um, you know, extending their tours of duty, meaning working extra hours, pulling out people. And what the focus of this news conference was sending cops here, where we are, to Navy Pier, where the fireworks were, sending people to Millennium Park, to Michigan Avenue, to retail corridors, um, to the 19th District. There wasn't an anti-violence plan, right, that was uh, iterated throughout the 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 news conference which you know had multiple different police officials and city officials speaking yeah um, and lo and behold the weather was warm and we had this real surge in violence uh, New Year's even a New Year's Day and yeah. um, you know I, I guess that it just raises concerns over how those resources were used in hindsight
1: we'll have to leave it there we've been speaking with Chicago Sun-Times reporters Tom Shuba and Andy Grimm about uh, crime here in Chicago Andy and Tom thank you so much thanks This episode of Reset was produced by Michael Liptrot, and it was edited by Andrew Merriweather. Stay up to date on all the important stories in Chicago and across the globe by subscribing to our podcast. That's all for Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We'll see you this afternoon.